Hello, everyone, and welcome to Run402, the podcast, a show where we interview local runners in Nebraska and make running relatable. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. This week, I interview Celeste Ehrenberg. Celeste and I met at Anarail Run Club. She's dating a close friend of ours, Jeremy Christensen. And when I met her, I had no idea what the heck she's overcome. Um, You know, she just ran really fast and I didn't really think anything of it until one day she posted a little bit about her story and this week we're diving into it. It's a really cool medical story, um, a little gross if you're sensitive to, you know, body stuff, but it's a fantastic comeback story and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening. All right, I'm here with Celeste Ehrenberg over Zoom. We're Zooming. Um, And today we're going to talk about a pretty cool comeback story. I haven't even delved into all the details, uh, even though I'm pretty good friends with Celeste, but this accident happened before we met. Um, Let's kind of start out, Celeste, by talking about you're from Columbus, you live in Omaha. Have you been a lifelong runner? I started running when I was in college just for recreation. Um, But so, yeah, I mean, since college. And then were you racing at all? Um, I was doing not, you know, I was doing an occasional half marathon, things like that, but not really. Um, I moved to Michigan in my thirties and started working at a running store and that's when I kind of got into races is because I was working at a running store and everybody else was running races which store was that gazelle sports okay cool that's fun so what year did you move back to Omaha then whatever eight years minus this year is (laughs) man so this accident happened in Michigan no it happened here it just happened in 2021 okay yeah so can you kind of break down what happened yeah so um I bike a lot like I was um at the time now I work 100% remote but at the time I was 100% in an office for the you know seven years or whatever I was living here and I was commuting every day to work so like 300 days a year, whatever biking, and then also just biking to get groceries and things like that. So biking a lot. Uh, This was a weekend. I was getting ready for a trip. It was actually uh, like getting ready to be the 4th of July. I think it was the 2nd of July. And I was leaving. uh, It was the 3rd of July because I was leaving on the 4th of July. And I was packing and I needed to go to Walgreens to get my, I couldn't find my travel toothbrush could have walked to a Walgreens that's like a block from my house, but thought, oh, I wanna get one more bike ride in. Um, I'll bike to Walgreens. And so I left for Walgreens and I was a block and a half from my house going downhill. And basically what happened is the bike tire lodged in a tiny pothole essentially. And so it caught and the bike stayed. So the bike stopped moving. I continued moving. I didn't endo, I didn't go end over end instead because I actually, can still see it in my head. I saw the tire lodging and started to break. I was holding onto the brakes also, and then like basically did a 180. So the handlebars flipped 180 and I was thrown off the bike. Um, and I hit the, 
at some point I hit the handlebars on my stomach and I hit my elbow and my knee. And then like any good athlete person type thing, I thought, is the bike okay? What's wrong with the bike? Is the bike okay? <laughs> um, yeah, I walked, it, it was like the handlebars are 180 degrees around. So I walked the bike back to my house and checked it out. And then like, I had an open wound on my knee and on my elbow and I was fine. I ate lunch. And then I thought, oh, you know, I'm leaving for vacation tomorrow. And I hit my stomach. What if I had internal injuries? I should go to urgent care. I went to urgent care. They took x-rays. They, um, of my knee and my elbow, nothing was broken. They watched me walk even and said, well, you're probably going to be stiff tomorrow. You're okay. No internal injuries. Or you would be like not able to speak with us right now if you had internal injuries. So went home, called my mom and continued to pack for an hour, talking her through like how to watch my cats while I was gone. End of the hour, um, got off the phone with her, went to sit in a chair and realized my knee really hurt and thought, oh, it's that open wound. I, it's that. Looked at my knee and it was huge. It was very, very swollen. And in a matter of minutes was in some of the most intense pain I've ever felt in my life. I called my, I called the urgent care and they said, it sounds like you have a hematoma, go to the emergency room. I called my grandmother because um, she lives a couple miles from me and said, can you come pick me up and take me to the emergency room? It's like a, not even a 10 minute drive. By the time she came to my house to take me to the emergency room, I couldn't move without screaming in pain. I basically, my feet, uh, my knee had so little range of motion. I couldn't it was like an inch. I could get my left, it was my left leg. I can get my left foot back an inch. I couldn't even lift my leg um, to get, I had to get downstairs to get to her car. I couldn't even get over the door jam. I was, thought I was going to pass out. I was in so much pain. So she's like, you have to call 911 because she's like 90. She, what's she going to do? So I called 911. Fun fact, um, when an ambulance comes to your house, a fire truck comes to, it was incredibly embarrassing. It was a bunch <laughs> of <laughs> firemen and ambulance drivers and me saying well I just my knee hurts I can't lift my leg to get to the car uh and they're like well you're gonna have to put you in the ambulance um they I was just screaming I was in so much pain so they had to like I don't know two people carried me into an ambulance and then said would you like some fentanyl and I said yes I would like fentanyl um dang yeah, yeah, it was so much pain. So then also fun fact, when you go to the emergency room in an ambulance, you don't have to wait in the waiting room. You get to wait in your own private little room. So um was in my own private little room with doctors coming in and I'm telling them this story. I had already went to urgent care. I didn't understand what was happening. Um, and all I kept saying is I have to fly out tomorrow. Am I going to be able to get on a plane? Um what ended up happening is I had, they did all these, a CT scan and all this, and they, nothing looked torn. I would, again, nothing was broken. They did x-rays again. They just decided I had, um, what I had was a hematoma. So basically like um, a, a blood clot kind of type thing. I had a hematoma or a giant bruise, but a hematoma the size of a lemon in my, on my knee. And where I had the open wound was really stretched because I had a hematoma the size of a lemon on my knee. So they were a little worried about that skin dying and not getting blood because my knee was just, it, again, imagine a lemon under your kneecap or like on your kneecap. And so they consulted with the um, on-call orthopedist. 
he didn't even come in. We now think it's probably because it's Fourth of July weekend and it was one in the morning and he didn't want to come in. He said, she's fine, send her home. It will reabsorb. So they wrapped it in like an ace bandage and said, keep it elevated. Here are crutches, taught me how to be in crutches. It will, it will reabsorb, go home, wait for it to reabsorb. I'm like, okay. So it was like one in the morning, got home. Um, I've been injured before quite a bit. I've had um, stress fractures. I've had a sprained ankle. I've, you know, I had dead butt syndrome. So like I gluteal amnesia where my hip didn't work. I like lots of, I've always been able to do something. I could bike, I could row, I could walk, I could do elliptical. This was like the next morning when I woke up and it's like, I just couldn't, I couldn't move. Like I couldn't walk. I, my parents came, my mom came and lived with me. I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. Like I just, all of the, it was very humbling because all of the things you forget and you take for granted. Um, I mean, even I never had crutches. So I was having a really hard time preparing meals. Cause like you're trying to crutch and you're trying to carry things and it was really, really bad. But the biggest thing, I've just never been able to like not do something. And so they just kept saying it was going to reabsorb. And four weeks later, it was the same size. And I had no range of motion. I had no range of motion. And my mom was still having to live with me because I couldn't go to the bathroom by myself. So again, I had like, if these are my feet, my left foot could get like back maybe an inch. I couldn't bend my knee at all. And so they had me see a, so I finally went into um orthopedic surgeon who said like, that's never reabsorbing. They should have drained it in the emergency room. Um, you're, we need you to do an MRI and then we need to surgically remove that. And because that now this open wound that I had with the skin being stressed for so long, we're not really sure. You may have to do, they, he said scary things with scary machines that I didn't understand that meant like, stretching the skin even more so that they could because there was just no way to close that wound because the knee had been stretched for four weeks so had an mri again nothing was torn um but at that point they deduced this is really gross it's it had degloved which is disgusting um that means basically it had turned inside out so it's imagine taking a ring off your finger but the skin is stuck to your ring and so it's turning your skin inside out as you pull the ring off and then it makes its own little pouch so that's what was in my knee with dead old gross blood and would be like sepsis if it ruptured so then it was just so disgusting um but they had to remove it and so I had to go under surgery. I, they had me go to a plastic surgeon because they were so worried about that open wound and they thought she could maybe get it to close without this weird machine that I don't remember the name of that sounded scary. At the same time, the plastic surgeon was like, yeah, okay, so once you, we remove it, I'm like, can I walk? And they're like, yeah, you'll be able to walk. You'll be like, I don't know what they were thinking. Like, you'll be fine. You'll be in a, a hip to ankle immobilizer, but it, you'll just have to wear that for a little while. So like, no. So I had the surgery. Um, I had a hip to, to ankle immobilizer over still a wrapped um, hip to ankle ace bandage that I had been wearing, you know, I'd been having to do that for weeks. And what's called a JP drain, which they did not warn me about. They basically insert a little tube into the knee and then on the outside of the knee, it collects the blood and the drainage and the gross. So then on the outside of my body, I had the little 
port that was collecting disgusting things that needed to be emptied. Um, and we had to like log how much we emptied it and like, and then call the nurse in the morning and tell her how much it was empty. I don't know the whole long thing. I was on a lot of drugs. My mom was there to help me. Um, so again, I, I had to like, she had to sleep in my bedroom because it's upstairs. I had to sleep in a guest room. And when I had to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I had to call her on my cell phone and say, mom, can you come down and help me go to the bathroom? So it was very, very humbling. I also learned that if we get a golden girl situation, I can live with my mother, but uh, she's pretty awesome. I could totally live with her. Not, I don't know my dad, but my mom. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so I again, like once I had all of that out, the stitches out, the hip to knee, hip to ankle, immobilizer off, the bandage up, I in my head honestly thought I would just be fine. I would just like, okay, now I'll just start walking and running. And it was horrendous. The recovery process I had. I couldn't figure out why my knee couldn't bend. It still felt like I had the bandage on. Well, I had all that had atrophied. Um, I it just had no, I would sit on a spin bike and I couldn't do a full rotation. I'd have to go up halfway, back halfway, up halfway, back halfway. And my degree is in exercise science, my undergrad is. So like I, they said I didn't have to go to physical therapy because I kind of like already knew just like what to do. Um, but the swelling and the pain and the scar um, my knee was all malformed and I had all these weird swelling pockets. I had to get one of those facial rollers to like roll on my knee. It was just like a lot of things. I still wasn't clear to drive, um, which was again, very, it was just very humbling. Um, it was just, I never anticipated something so random and like small seeming would make it so bad. And then for a while, like the bruising wouldn't go away. Actually, a year later, uh, I still had bruising because I ended up bruising all up, all up my thigh and all down my calf and then the knee. And like a year later, it was still like I was sending pictures to the plastic surgeon saying like, is it supposed to still look like this? And she said, yeah, it's trauma. It's fine. You're fine. You can come in if you want, but we think it's fine. Um, but at one point, like she said, you're, you know, I was just like, it's still, I'm still not whole. And she was just like, well, you're, you know, you just might have to think of a different way to live your life. Um, with like walking, just because the amount of swelling and pain. And she said like, it might just be like, you're just a less active person. Um, but you know, you can still live a, an active life, but you just might not be a runner again, um, like let's work on walking. And that was really scary because she was so positive at first, like, yeah, you'll be fine. You're going to be, it's just going to be, we're going to take it off and then you'll be fine. Um, so it also helped me. The lesson I took away too was to, um, that you have to be your own advocate and doctors are great. And they've gone to a lot of school and I had a lot of great doctors, but they also don't know everything. And you have to advocate for yourself. Um, because they they don't know what you're experiencing. So the, everyone just kept thinking, saying like, it's just no big deal. It's not that, and it was a huge deal. It was a huge deal. Like this is my first year where I've gone a whole year of like learning what it's like to have this knee that sometimes still swells or sometimes still hurts, or I don't have feeling in it totally. It's so like you shave your legs. Like I can't feel where the 
where the scar is, there's just no, there's just nerve damage. And so it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I started doing, um, beforehand I would race 10 Ks, um, when I lived in Michigan. And so I thought I'd start maybe just doing just runs like, um, just to run just races, but then was like, Oh, you know what? I think I actually can race. So I completed three 10 Ks, a series where I raced all of them this between last spring and this summer. Um, and I won them. Like I was the first female of all three of them. So I've proved that I can do that. And I think I'm done with that again. <laughs> it's hard. 10 Ks are hard. Racing a 10 K is hard. That's there's no room for error. So maybe I'm done doing that, but, but I can. Biking again was really scary. I had PTSD for a while. I went so slow, but I can do that again now too. Do you bike a lot again? But yes, um, still quite a bit. Cause I kept saying statistically, you know, I've been in bike accidents before. You just are when you have, when you're commuting and you're on the road, you are. Um, but uh, I don't bike cause I don't, I work from home now. My bike routes are much, they're more on like much red. I can choose the route and it's, it's just safer. And I still go pretty slow. Cause it's, I just get, I'm so grateful to have this back because I kept saying like and it's funny too how we I was like if I could just if I could run a mile if I could run a mile I would be grateful I'd be grateful but you know how we're humans and we forget that and then it's like seven miles and I'm not as grateful so I'm trying to remember to be grateful but yeah I bike I I'm trying to get into trail running I'm really afraid of trail running um but I think as I age it's probably better for me to do that but are you afraid of falling? Yeah, I'm afraid of like that the roots or the you know just the the things and then it's gone again and I lose it again because I've just it, it was so again such a s stupid simple thing and it changed my life um, and I just I've never since I started exercising like you know yeah in like college I've never gone that long without exercising I kind of thought like maybe I don't know it was pretty it was pretty traumatic when you taught me to to like not identify like that's not my identity it's something I do and so I really wanted to separate that too like my identity is not a runner or a biker or whatever because it could have been gone yeah it was scary how long do you think you went without walking and running? The accident happened in July 3rd. And I, the first time I could actually do an activity where I had minimal swelling was I went to Colorado with my grandmother the end of September. Um, and that was still pretty, I still couldn't run. Um, but I could, I could like walk and hike. And so that was sep September. So it's from July to September. So three times four, 12 weeks. It's a long time. Yeah, it was, it was a long time. Yeah. I think, you know what I meant? Yeah. I think I started running. I was trying to get up to eight miles by like December. My goal was to get, I think I was running like six miles by December of last year. 
And then the first race I did like just run it was the early bird in April. And I still, again, had bruising and stuff, but I could, I mean, that's still, I'm grateful. That was still good. That was still a lot. That's still like a really quick turnaround going from your mom has to come with you to the bathroom to yeah. ten, a 10 mile race. Yeah. I'm kind of stubborn a little, <laughs> but there were times, I mean, I was like on my crutches, like crutching back and forth just to move. Um, Cause again, I had not worked from home the whole pandemic. And so then to be like in my home um, for so much was, was a lot too, but, but yeah, I mean, overall, it, if I, if the, to say it like that, it does seem, it seemed like forever, but it was like a year later I was racing. So that's really cool. And you're really tough. I know a lot of people would have probably just given up. It was, it was humbling. It really was humbling. Like, you know, sometimes when we hear people say things about like, um, immobility or the, you know, uh, stuff like that, where we're kind of sometimes think like, Oh, really? Is it that big of a deal? Or are you sure? But like, dude, it's, it was really humbling to not, um, to go through that. I did have a couple friends. Um, it just turns out the ambulance driver, it just as a total one-off, um, I'd worked with a woman who we had just started our friendship. We just started like, we're, we're not just coworkers. We were like texting and it just happened that her, uh, it's now her husband, but her, her boyfriend at the time, um, I'd met him once. He happened to be the ambulance driver that came to the call. And then he can't, because of HIPAA, say what's happening. He just texted his, um, girlfriend, uh, my friend, uh, have you heard from Celeste lately? And she knew like he was an ambulance driver. So she immediately texted me like, what's, what's going on? So she's a nurse. They, they, I don't know what I would have done without them. They came, they helped my mom figure out timings of all of the medications. They came and they mowed my lawn. They checked on me every day when I was freaking out about the way the stitches looked. She came over and looked at the stitches. She, I hadn't, again, I, we were just starting this friendship. She came on July 4th, basically. To, my grandmother couldn't get me into the house at one in the morning when I was released from the emergency room. She came, her name's Emily. She came and, and helped me at one in the morning, get in, told my grandmother to go home, put me to bed, came the next morning and helped me shower. This woman I barely knew helped me shower. So yeah, so we're still friends now to this day. Like really, we see once a month, we do a game night and stuff. I, but I try to remember that too, of like that unconditional human kindness and to like pay that forward like I want the opportunity to pay that forward because I don't know what I would have done um without them yeah and I can't believe like how much your grandma you know tried to do too god bless grandma <laughs> yeah she drove over and she sat she stayed in the emergency room the whole time and it was COVID so they my sister lives in Omaha too and she heard she came but they wouldn't let her in because you can only have one person um so she, yeah she stayed with me till one in the morning and then like they had to like I don't know to get me home I you know I couldn't they had to like 
lay me in the back of her car basically and yeah then we got all the way to my house and she was just like I don't I can't I don't know what I'm supposed to do I can't get you up those steps and I was like well I'm gonna have to ask Emily because I don't I don't know what else to do either yeah that's just a wild story like just like some freak small accident yeah I walked home and ate lunch and then called my mom and talked about that with urgent care urgent care told me I was fine and I was and yeah it was just like and I kept saying do you think I can get around an airport and people like again they'd be like yeah probably or like when I said you know I have this go through the surgery will I be okay yeah you'll you'll be able to walk okay like no I don't think anyone realized how like it was a big it was a big accident but my literally like my life is better because of it it is yeah, that'll definitely, like you said, humble you. And you got to see, like, people show up for you. Yeah, that's the thing, too. Like, people, like, coworkers that I didn't, like, people would send edible arrangements, and they would stop by, and just, like, and again, it taught me, like, to go that extra, even for someone I don't know that well, to go the extra inch, like, text you know, whatever, and say hi, or it, like, if I know, like, there was a coworker who her cat had cancer, and I knew to, like, say, like, hey, how is your cat? Like, that extra, just, like, how much those little things really do matter, that takes, like, five seconds to do, they make that person's life better, um, it, it taught me to do that a lot more, and, and I, um, yeah, I don't know, made my life better. I don't know how else to explain it. Cause it was the worst experience I think I've ever had in my entire life. And it made my life better. Yeah. What's, what's next for 2023? Don't know. Um, I don't know. I would just kind of Jeremy about this. I think like, I'm not sure. I think I might just be done racing. Cause I'm like, I don't know. I, I think I, I, um, forgot to be grateful for a little bit there. And I lost my joy a little bit where I started pushing too hard this, um, this past like summer. So kind of a pendulum swing. Yeah. 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 So like I got a gravel bike, um, which I've never, and again, I'm a little scared of falling off the bike, but try that just like trying. I, so, okay. The, the answer is to find and keep my joy. Cause sometimes I think we lose sight of that. We get caught up in like overtraining or racing or the imaginary shadow we have where we have to show other people that we're good at something like that doesn't bring me joy. And I have participated in all of those things. Um, so yeah, finding and keeping my joy. And it sounds like you might have the opportunity to pace this this summer if Jeremy signs up for anything. Yeah, you know, that I was, the, that actually was probably one of the most, so I saw my niece born and that was I like the, the most miraculous thing I've ever seen in my entire life was to witness her birth. Like literally second to that was to watch Jeremy finish that 52.5 mile race. I was humbled. I have never, never seen anyone so physically wrecked and just push through. Those last 10 miles, I was my, so I was doing the 10 miles with him, of course. It was his 
he'd already done 40. It was my first 10, obviously. All I kept thinking was like, he has done this four more times. I don't want to be doing this for 10. Well, and he's done this four times. Like it was to watch someone. I've just never witnessed that up close. It was, that was pretty incredible. So yeah, if he does stuff, pace him. Um, he's got a gravel bike too. So doing that. Um, and then we're planning some trips to Colorado. And I think Carrie's got a cookie run coming up where she's doing that. 30 no 50k but you run to different cookie places I think maybe that because like the whole thing I've never run that far um and there's something to be said about going slow and staying with others and finishing something big than trying to do something fast um alone yeah that's what I like about her stuff too I've never done it because I I don't know if I can make it 50k, but maybe I'll hop in and out. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's what I did the other ones. Like the first one was the taco run. And I that's the farthest I've ever run. I just stayed with Jeremy and we just did, I think we did end up doing like 20 miles just in quotes. Right. But uh, we had 20 miles. Um, but her other one, I just did the first leg and then I quit. If she ran from they ran from Exarbon to Benson, and since I live in Benson, I ran from Exarbon to Benson and then was like nah, I think I'm just gonna go home then I went home <laughs> <laughs> that's the nice thing about running in town just like oh eh, I'm gonna call an Uber no <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well thanks for coming on and sharing your story um it is wild <laughs> hope it's not boring no I'm, not at all I'm gonna text you you want me to text you a picture of what my knee looked like in the emergency oh, room so definitely. <laughs> I need so, to see that. <laughs> I, I didn't used to warn people. I just like showed them. And I realized I needed to warn people and ask. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. All right. Well, thanks for being on. And yeah, if you want to see Celeste, she's usually at Interrail. And I bet she'd show you a picture of her knee. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Celeste. Bye, Sarah. And that's a wrap. If you want to write to us, reach out to me on Facebook or Instagram at run402thepodcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you out there. This episode is brought to you by the Anchor app. Anchor by Spotify is the platform we use to record this podcast. It's very easy to use. I'm not a tech-savvy person, and if I can figure it out, anyone can. So if you're interested in hosting your own podcast, may I recommend you the Anchor app.